Well, it's good to have you here. It's actually so great to have a live audience with us tonight. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to uh, start to re-enter life a little bit, and it's uh, so good to have you tuning in online as well. Um, we are looking forward to being back together soon. Um, we have another week, just a quick announcement on Thursday night, if you want to come to the next uh, live taping of next week's services, you can register on respond.church and come to that. And also on July 5th, so that's a Sunday, July 5th, will be the first Sunday that we are reopening on Sunday mornings, and we will be gathering and, uh, as an outdoor service. Our team was working on it today and plotting out the grid where we can fit people um, never thought we'd have to think about that, but we did, and so we will be doing an outdoor service July 5th. We're not sure how long we'll do outdoor services, uh, but that is coming, and we will be asking you to register for that as well, uh, because we do still have some limitations on uh, how many people can be at each service. So I want to invite you to be a part of that. That's our next step. Um, before we even get to the message though today, a couple more, or two more things. Uh, one is a few weeks ago, we had our annual celebration and uh, budget affirmation vote. And I just want to let you know that uh, you all uh, affirmed the budget uh, with near unanimous vote. And uh, so I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for uh, being a part of the vision and the mission of Seacoast. Uh, we know that even this last few months, though we couldn't gather together, the church didn't stop uh, and the Church of Christ uh, is working and alive, and, and the people of Seacoast have been working in the community. And uh, so the mission goes on, and uh, so we want to thank you uh, for uh, approving the budget for next year. And I also want to thank you with a huge praise as we finished up last fiscal year and we ended up meeting our uh, projected budget. And so, uh, you know, in the uncertainty of Everything we're entering into, I'm so grateful that the people of Seacoast, the Lord kind of prompted our hearts uh, to continue to contribute and participate in that mission. So I want to thank all of you and all of you watching uh, for continuing to be a part of what God is doing here at Seacoast. So thank you for that. Uh, and finally, before we get to the message, happy Father's Day. Uh, it is it's, uh, a great day. It's actually the best day of the year. And uh, so <laughs> we're glad uh, to celebrate fathers. And we know, you know, again, whenever we have a Mother's Day, we have Father's Day. Uh, these days can be tough days for some of you. Uh, sometimes it, it might be the first uh, year that you are without a spouse or without your father or maybe... Um, maybe as a father, it's a year where you're thinking about a son or a daughter that you've lost. And, and these are sometimes painful days. Uh, maybe some of you didn't grow up with a father. And, and so we recognize that and we, uh, we like to always acknowledge it because we know that in any group that there's all those different emotions. So we want you to know there's a God who loves you, who cares for you, wants to bring comfort. There's a church who wants to walk beside you in those challenging times too. Um, and we do also, though, want to honor and thank dads for what they do. Dads, you have an important role. Uh, you, uh, we don't always get it right as dads. Um, I've made a mistake. I remember like 12 years ago and um, that day. And, uh, but other than that, no. So we make mistakes, dads. But our kids are watching. And often what we do, often what they're learning is caught, not taught. And they're watching our lives. So I want to encourage you, dads, to know that you make a difference. You are very important. 
And, um, you know, I, my wife got me into the, a couple years ago, I, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to admit this, but she got me into country music. And, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it out loud, but, you know, I felt I don't have my mask on, so I have to be real. I have to tell you what, what um, struggle I've had as I started listening to a little bit of country music. And the reason I did has nothing to do with the quality of music, um, but it's because I love the lyrics. I've shared some with you before. I just like that they're wholesome. You know, you can sing about... Jesus and beer in the same song, and you kind of feel like, yeah, I feel uplifted by this. Um, but there's one, and I want to say this just for, for dads. I have no idea who sings it. I don't know the name of any country singer but Willie Nelson and Garth Brooks. But, um, and I don't think I know any of their songs, but uh, this song had some really cool advice that I've shared with my kids, but I think for all of us Dads, it's something that would challenge me. And the song's called Love Like Crazy. I'm sure some of you may know it. Um, Paige will sing it later. But uh, the chorus is, be a best friend, tell the truth, and overuse I love you. Go to church. See, good advice. Do your best. Don't outsmart your common sense. Now, I like these last two lines. Don't let your praying knees get lazy and love like crazy. And I think, dads, if there's like two things we can remember is let's not let our praying knees get lazy and let's learn to love like crazy. It's okay, guys, to be completely loving of your wife and your kids and, and loving of your neighbors and loving of your church and loving of your Lord. And uh, that is some of the most manly things you can do. So I want to encourage you, dads, uh, to listen to that country music advice and uh, move on from there. But um, again, happy Father's Day to all of you. As we get into the text, uh, want to, uh, as we get into the text today, I want to just invite you to pray as we get started. God, we thank you so much. I thank you for Father's Day. I thank you for all the fathers who are tuning in, who are here with us right now. Uh, we want to uh, just pray your blessings on their lives. God, for every mistake we've made as fathers, I pray that you would redeem those and use them in our families. Lord, for uh, every time we happen to get it right, God, we thank you for that. And um, Lord, I just pray that we would remember who we are in you. Remember that uh, we uh, have everything we need to love like crazy because of what you've done. So would you empower the dads, the fathers who are listening now, God, and empower us to live the life that you've called us to live. And uh, we just thank you. And we pray now as we look into your word that you would challenge us, you'd encourage us and shape our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 30. We are in our summer series called Refresh. And uh, actually, the theme for tonight is refresh. You know, I was thinking about in the last 20, probably 30 years, as technology has really taken over pretty much uh, the whole world is, is all about technology. But I was kind of thinking about this and, and, and laughing at anytime you have an issue with your computer... Um, even if you have an issue with your phone and you need some help with it, it freezes up. A website, even the cable modem sometimes will freeze and you're not getting any Wi-Fi. If you've ever called IT support, and some of you are in IT in here, what is one of the first things or the first thing they always ask you to do? For me, it's, what is it? Yeah, they basically, have you turned it off yet and turned it back on? <laughs> right? Like that's, 
That's the first thing you learn about everything electrical is, well, turn it off and turn it back on. And it works half the time. And I don't know anything about like uh, computer engineering. I don't understand what goes on in there. But what I get from it is basically these operating systems start getting conflicting messages or they get too many things going. And so their, their glitch shows up in, in the system and it slows them down or gets them to the point where they can no longer function. There's competing messages. It's no longer operating in the way it's meant to do. Or, and sometimes with my wife's phone, she's like, it's not working, so I'll open up. I'm like, you have 30 apps open. The other day, I kid you not, she had 30 apps open at, the, at one time. Like, you know, that might be a part of the problem. But so sometimes when you turn it off and turn it back on, it resets. It gets back to operating in the way it was designed to operate. And I was thinking about that, and, and I was talking with some people the other day. Someone said to me, like, hey, can we just, like, reset 2020? Anyone with me on that? You just want to, like, go to the 2020 plug-in and just pull it out, like, all right, we're going to turn it off for 10 seconds, plug in this year one more time, and see if we can clean out all the junk and start over and have it operating the way it seems like it should be. But all of that, as I was thinking about, sometimes in our spiritual lives, we need a refresh. We need to look at that web page that's just frozen and turn it off and reopen. In spiritual lives, sometimes we just need to get Clear all the clutter and get back to the basics and reset. And tonight as we look at Psalm 30, Psalm 30 has some really famous lines in it. You'll probably recognize some of those if you're familiar with scripture. But in it, it's, it's really David sharing kind of his heart and a journey he's been on. But the more and more I looked at it, I realized here's David who's actually explaining a, how his process of refreshing, his process of resetting. And, and I think there's some things that we can learn in it for our lives. So let's look at Psalm 30 and beginning in verse 1. Now it starts off in David's writing and it says he wrote this for the dedication of the house. We don't really have any idea what that is because it wasn't the temple, it wasn't there at the time. He already had the tabernacle. We don't know what dedication it was, this prayer, but he sings this prayer or this psalm and it's a reminder. So let's look at this to see what do we need or what do we do or when do we need a spiritual reboot? And I think we learned some of that from David's language here. So the first is this, the first line. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. Some translations might say, I will lift you up, O Lord. And, and really the, the Hebrew word there literally means that. I will lift you up. I am going to lift up the Lord. Now I want you to see the rest of that. For you have lifted me up, or you have drawn me out. And the very first thing that we find in the very first line of this is sometimes when we need a spiritual reboot, we know we do, is when we get the order of operations wrong. Now, I was around when computers were first coming out in school. I remember I was like elementary school, and we had these big Macs, and the only thing, they had like one app on it, a game called Lemonade Stand, Anyone with me? My generation? Where are my people? Nobody. Cool. All right. So, and <laughs> there was another app that was, I think it was called Lotus or something like that. And you had to put in these commands and you'd like write two, two lines of commands just to get this little dot on the screen to go like this, like to move like two inches. 
And if you did it in the wrong order, it just wouldn't work. It'd look at you like, what are you, I don't understand what you're trying to have me do. Am I supposed to move this far? And, and when you get the order of operation wrong in programming, everything stops. Now, here's what David starts with. I want you to get this. We skim over it. I will lift you up, O Lord, because you have lifted me up. See, the order that we need to always remember when we need to get that spiritual reboot is that Scripture always begins with God. The very beginning of our Scripture says, in the beginning, God. It's, a, it's the first few lines or words of the whole Bible remind us and tell us that this story starts with God. We're part of the story, but the story doesn't start with you. This is something we need to remind ourselves. And when we start getting the order wrong and thinking, oh, Lord, hey, look, I'm going to lift you up. So why don't you hook me up later on? Or when we pray, pray prayers that say something like, God, you know, if you can get me out of this situation, then I'll go ahead. I'm going to attend church for the next month straight. You ever pray a prayer like that? Don't confess it here. But those are transactional prayers. Those are prayers that we think God is going to work based on who we are. But when we need a spiritual reboot is a reminder that it starts with God. David says, I'm lifting you up because you have already acted. You have already done something in my life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Paul's writing and he says this, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Notice the verse. It doesn't say God demonstrates his great love for us. In that, when we repented, when we got our lives put together, when we said all the right things, then he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to come die for humanity. No, the reminder again is that it starts with God. He is the initiator. And so sometimes when we need that spiritual reboot is when we realize, wow, I'm kind of treating this as a transaction instead of responding to who God is. I'm trying to get him to respond to who I am. And, and so David starts off, and it's very subtle, but I will lift you up because you have already drawn me out. You've already lifted me up. He goes on, and he says this, and when you did that, you've not let my enemies rejoice over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. Oh, Lord, you brought, my, brought up my soul from the grave. You kept me alive that I would not go down into the pit. And David had all kinds of enemies. He was a king. Not many of us have people who are trying to put our lives down in the pit. And again, this is a psalm, so David is just expressing his heart. He's very uh, elaborate in, in some of his things that he talks about. But I want you to notice thing. He says, you haven't let your enemies rejoice over me. Now, we probably all have some sort of enemy in the world. But, right, people that we might think are an enemy. I've had different neighbors in the past where I'm like, I don't know if they know it, but we're enemies. You know, when you, and I'm not going to tell them because they might start treating me different, but, you know, whatever. So we, we think we have enemies. But the second thing that I was th looking at this and saying, you know, when we need a spiritual reboot is when we recognize those times when we're focusing on the wrong enemy. So I want to tell you something tonight. Some of you in here might be here and you think, oh, you know who's the, my enemies? The Republicans. Some of you in here, you might say, oh, it's the Democrats. Maybe your enemy you think is the governor. Maybe it's the president. Maybe for some of you, your, your enemy are people, uh, you know, protesters or anti-protesters. 
Maybe your enemy is your neighbor who lives next to you or at least your neighbor's dog. Maybe it's someone at work. But we're focusing on the wrong enemy because that's not our enemies. Paul again writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, I want us to get this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, the enemy that we face is the spiritual forces of evil who want to rob us from a life in Christ. You know, in the last few weeks, certainly, many of us have been processing what's going on in our country and really around the globe. And if you're like me, you've, you've sought out vo- uh, many, many different voices and people writing things and saying things, and, and there's all these different varying opinions, but the one, the, the one source that I keep looking to is I want to hear what Christian brothers and sisters have to say about these issues, because I don't want to find my hope in the answers and things apart from Christ. And the one thing I, I appreciate a, a preacher down in Dallas called uh, Tony Evans, maybe some of you know him. He actually had a sermon from four years ago. He's talking about this, the whole issue. And he talks about racism. He talks about the, the problems we face as a nation. And ultimately, though, it's rooted in, and he says the, the issue is if we all lived our identity as Christians, if Christians lived our new lives in Christ, and lived out who God has already made us to be and what is true of us, some of the issues start going away really quickly. And and I'm not trying to minimize the issue in our country. All I'm trying to say is the answer to most of the problems that we see is if we truly live the lives that God has designed us to live, we we start to see the real solutions in the world. We start to realize that we are people of compassion and grace and forgiveness and love and mercy. That's who we are. That's what it means to be a new creation in Christ. We are freed from our prejudice and our biases. That's not who we are. Now, sometimes we slip back into those. Sometimes we start living in our old lives and we start looking around and and there's junk that God, the Holy Spirit's still working out in us. But when we truly understand who we are in Christ, then all of a sudden, the way we live is very different. And the enemy of Christ wants us to live here in that old self. Wants us to kind of just enjoy the tension and and, and be drawn in towards a fighting. The old self, the enemy would love for us to be slow to forgive, quick to judge, quick to yell at one another quick to be divided. See, the enemies that we face, we're not like David where someone's trying to put us in the grave, most of us. But the enemy's trying to put us in our spiritual grave, in our old lives that was died and buried with Christ. But we've been lifted out of that. So when we need a spiritual reboot is when we recognize, oh, I'm worried about the wrong enemies right now. The enemy I need to worry about is the enemy that tells me the old self is who I am, and that is not true anymore. We're set free from that. So David talks about that, and then he says, so sing praise to the Lord, you godly ones. Give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. 
you can start to feel the cadence of this psalm. You get that that's going there? It actually feels like a, it, this preaches. This is pretty good. The anger is only for a moment, his favor for a lifetime, weeping for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. The next thing we see here is our spiritual reboot comes when we recognize we have the wrong perspective on life, that we're being very short-sighted. We're looking at a temporary life instead of an eternal life. Paul or David here is writing and he uses this language of favor, God's favors for a lifetime. This is another word in Hebrew that could be acceptance. His acceptance is for a lifetime. Weeping is temporary, but joy comes in the morning. And again, it's pointing us to a truth that we realize that comes up over and over and over again in Scripture. And that truth is that Jesus came to rescue us from our temporary fallen state. And what we have is not just an eternal life with God in heaven, which we do, but we have a new identity starting now. We've been rescued and we have a different perspective on life, an eternal perspective on life even right now. One of the things I, I love to do, I don't get to do it as much as I like to anymore, is mountain biking. Uh, one thing I like about mountain biking, actually, I hate, let me get this right, I hate part of mountain biking. I hate going up the mountains. That's the worst part of mountain biking. Uh, my neighbor just bought this brand new, like, $5,000 mountain bike, and it's an electric one. I'm like, are you serious? You can get up the mountain without working, and then you come down? That's, like, the, that's the best idea I've ever heard of. Um, so... I love that. I love going down the mountains. Just like I'm a skier, I love going down the mountains. I'm super comfortable if I'm on the edge of a cliff when I'm on skis. It doesn't bother me at all. It's fine, no matter how steep it is. Mountain bike's kind of the same. If you're going down a, a, a mountain on a mountain bike, sometimes you get to these like narrow trails and things. But one of the things you have to learn about mountain biking is you never want to look where you don't want to go. You want to keep your eyes where you want to go. Because as soon as you're going on an edge or a narrow path and you start looking where you don't want to be, guess what your body naturally does? It goes where you don't want to go. It's just natural for you. It's just like when I'm teaching my kids how to drive, you know, and they look, you know, when they look over their shoulder, the whole car looks over the shoulder, you know, that kind of thing. It's because it's natural where you look is where you want to go. But in mountain biking, you have to learn to look where you want to go. Sometimes in our lives, as in spiritual lives, we're so caught up in looking where we don't want to go that that's exactly where we end up. We have this short-term view. David here is reminding us, like, hey, we're focusing on the short-term failures. But remember, God's acceptance lasts a lifetime. Don't get stuck in your past. Don't get stuck in every failure. Don't get hung up in that. God's working on you. He's changing it. But no, again, focus on where you're going. Focus on what he's doing with you. He's changing you, redeeming you, making you something entirely new. Sometimes when we need a spiritual reboot, we need to take our vision off of the temporary and put it on eternal. We can learn a lot sometimes, too, as the older you get and you look back and you realize, oh, I wish I would have known that 20 years ago. Anyone there with me? Some people say they hate junior high, but I think the coolest thing in the world would be to go back to junior high and relive it, knowing what I know. Some of you think that sounds like torture, but I think it, that sounds kind of fun to go back and relive. But knowing what I know now. But we look back and sometimes we realize, oh, why was I focused off the trail? Why was I looking at those things? Philip Yancey in his book, 
disappointment with God says this. He says, when we have faith, faith means believing in advance. So believing that something that's coming down the road, what will only make sense in reverse. Let me say that again. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Sometimes when we have this eternal view of the world, it's going to make sense when we get there, but right now it might not. Faith is believing, keeping your eyes focused the other direction. Let's go on with the psalm. Psalm uh, 30, verse 6 now. He says, As for me, I said in my prosperity that I would never be moved. O Lord, by your favor you've made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called and to the Lord I made my supplication. And I said, what profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me, O Lord, my helper. Now David takes us back. See, in the middle of this psalm, he has this, this kind of verse of, hey, I, one, one thing I realize is God's favor lasts for a lifetime. And then he goes back into another moment of his life. And he says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, some of your translations might be from a secure place. The Hebrew is really referring to him feeling like he felt really secure. He's talking about a time when he said, I, I got this. I am strong enough to get through this. And so he's recalling some time in his life when he did this. And if you read the life of David, you can pick which time he messed up. There's plenty to choose from. And he said, I'm never going to be moved. I'm the king. I'm strong. I, I, I've got it all together. So he's telling us I was in a place of kind of arrogance, of, of feeling like I was secure in who I was. And even the Lord made my mountain stand strong. This is imagery. Again, my kingdom is strong. Who I am is secure. And he said, you hid your face, and I was dismayed. Again, this is Old Testament language. I'm saying like, then all of a sudden, it felt like you were no longer there. What David is really saying is, I was getting so confident in myself. I was getting so into what I could provide. All of a sudden, it's as if the Lord said, okay, you got this, then get it. And then I had to pray, and David says what he prays. I called out to you, Lord, and check out this prayer. I love this prayer. This is just kind of almost a funny prayer. His prayer is, what profit is there in my blood, Lord, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? In other words, David is saying, Lord, if I die, who's, who's going to praise you? Like, I'm singing praises to you. You, you kind of you need me around because I got this. I'm writing all these worship songs. You need me. And he's like pleading with God. I love it. He ends. He says, hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. So by the end of his prayer, he changes. Lord, I need your grace. I need you. It almost says, it almost recalls what Paul wrote in uh, Romans 5.20. When sin increases, grace increases even more. You see that David got to a place where he said, wait a minute, what I need is your grace. That's what I'm going to fall on. And I realized one more thing, the final thing tonight and today, when it's time to reboot, a spiritual reboot is when we realize our confidence is in the wrong place. Some of us are so confident in ourselves, in our own knowledge, in what we have to offer the world, that all of a sudden the systems start getting bogged down. We need to stop and reboot and say, what's my confidence truly in? Is it in me or is it in the finished work of Christ? Is it in the fact that Jesus said it is finished? 
Or as first, or Peter wrote in First Peter, he said, Christ died once in, uh, for the sins once and for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. See, sometimes our confidence is in our flesh, in our knowledge, and even in, we look at the things going around in the world. I don't know if you've said this. I've said it many times. Seems like everybody is crazy. Seems like the world has lost its mind. And when I say that, I don't mean I'm with them. I mean I haven't, but everyone else has. That's what I mean. My confidence is in my flesh. And sometimes there's this reboot to say, wait, my confidence is in my God and what he provides, what he has done. Paul, uh, David gets to that point where he says, God, I need your grace. And he responds with this. Verse 11. You turned for me my morning into dancing. You loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. That my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I give thanks to you forever. See, there's times in our lives when we need to refresh. We need to reboot. When we keep going back to who God is and what he has done, the response in the end for us can be, Lord, you've turned my mourning into dancing. Some of you are in a season right now where you feel like you're in mourning. I don't know when the dancing will come for you. For some of us, it's going to be a wave. Some of you, you've got through a season of mourning and you can relate to this and you say, oh, we're dancing again. But our Lord wants to get us to that place where we can sing praise and not be silent. And we'll give thanks to God forever. I just want to encourage you tonight as I invite the band back up and we respond with one more song. I just want to encourage you wherever you are in your spiritual life right now, if the operating system is stuck, <laughs> if you need a refresh, or maybe right now you feel like, no, this is a season where God has been good. I want to encourage you to consider your perspective, to unplug, plug back in. Let's get our priorities back. Remember that it's about our God and what he has done. And our hope in a world filled with turmoil is the same as our hope when the world isn't filled with turmoil. Our hope is in what Christ provides for us. Our hope is in a God who loves you and me more than we could understand. Our hope is in the fact that our God loves those who are fighting each other right now more than you and I could ever understand. Our hope is found there. And so as we respond with one final song, I want to encourage you here in this place or at home, if you sing or if you just want to listen to the words, let's be reminded of the truth of where our hope is found. Let's be refreshed because of who God is and transformed because of his life.